College basketball fans, how are we doing this week? We are rolling along in the month of January, the 2022-2023 season. We're getting closer to March every single day. I am Timmy Hall. This is my guy who also loves hoops, Evil Bald Calm. What's up, man? Tim, I love hoops. I, I love the season. There's, you know, it's it's just such a great season when you're just watching the entire sport. There's totally totally nothing going around us right now. You know, everything's fine. Just just loving the sport as a as a, as a fan of the sport in general. Oh God, yeah, we'll be getting <laughs> into it. We'll be getting into it. And for all of our listeners that are checking us out at, on the simulcast on Saturday morning on the fan. We have got an Ohio State game coming up at 2 o'clock this afternoon, and it's the Iowa Hawkeyes. And these Iowa Hawkeyes, man, they've always been known under Fran McCaffrey for their offense. So that's the thing that's missing. This Ohio State team has been known for its offense. They don't have any of that the last three games. The losing skid has hit five. You alluded to that. The sky is falling. We will be discussing the Buckeyes and where they are later on in the podcast. I know you're really upset about it evil you're you're very you take this harder than most yeah <laughs> no i i mean there's a lot of people that have kind of extrapolated some of the things i've said i, I want to be clear there is no firings there's no decisions being made at this time other than i just have a couple of questions for some of the people involved with the decision making around the entire athletic department but but outside of that <laughs> outside of that there's still I mean, there's still a chance if they've got 13 games left counting the Iowa game today on our simulcast. I mean, if you go 10 and three, you're a team that's going to put yourself in a position for a tournament. And then all your goals are still out there outside of maybe winning the regular season, big 10 championship, which is still a pretty good situation. If you can achieve it, there's still opportunities, but man, like my friends say, it's getting late really early. I know you're very opinionated on it, as am I. That's why we do this. Later on in the pod, we are going to have one of our uh, buddies who covers sports here locally, very heavily on the Ohio State beat, Adam King, sportscaster for 10TV, WBNS in Columbus. And he even spent some time down in Cincinnati. So there's some Xavier and Bearcats that we can get into as well with him. And I know he, like you, Adam is a huge Holtman guy, a gigantic Holtman guy. So there's a lot that we can get into there on what he's done, what we think he's going to do. Uh, if we think, you know, two, three years from now, we wake up and he's still the coach here at Ohio State. So we'll do a lot of that. And we will get you guys caught up with everything else that is going on in college basketball. And as we begin here, Sort of a mid-major flavor off the top of the show, but a 76-game losing streak has come to an end. A lot to talk about. We thank you guys so much for joining us here on this episode. What? 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 You said losing streak. I don't think Gonzaga's been that long for that long, or bad that long. It's a was a 76-winning streak. Yes, 76-game winning streak. <laughs> we'll talk about it here and so much more. The latest going on this season with college hoops. It's mad about hoops. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He hit it just inside of half court. Leans on the other wing. Oh! Oh! Captain it, Jerome! <laughs> College basketball! This is March Madness! 
Yes, it is. It almost is for real. Every single day when we're watching this sport, it feels that way to us. And, you know, when you're chilling on a Friday night or a Thursday night, I guess it is, and your your boy texts you a link to a <laughs> watch stadium app and you actually follow it and sink your teeth into this game, then I think you know you're a sicko, you're a true degenerate, that's what I am. Second time this year, dude, you send me to a, a game at the Kennel, a Zags game. What a what a, a broadcast partner they have there in the West Coast Conference for the Watch Stadium app. I think you can get that sucker on YouTube TV. I actually yes. noticed it was in the extra sports pass, which I just deleted because I don't need red zone anymore. And there's no use paying $11 a month for eight other channels that you'll never watch. And of course, <laughs> two days after I delete it, there's something I did actually want to watch, which was Gonzaga and Loyola Marymount coming down the stretch, but it's free to just watch on the app. And how about that earlier? It was Kent state yes. having a chance to get it done. They didn't, but, Different story for Loyola Marymount. 76-game home winning streak. That's ridiculous. And congrats to the fighting Justin Ahrens, who did only have one three, I believe, and five points, just like we remembered him here late in his run at Ohio State. <laughs> but good for him for being a part of that. And uh, how about that dude, man? Cam Shelton, maybe the player of the week that was here. A, that was a great performance, man. No, it's actually good to see a team go into the kennel and actually finish the job. I mean, too often we've seen these WCC and even non-conference teams go in there, uh, especially this season, be in the game late, have a le late lead, and then just let the crowd just kind of suffocate them, and then they would blow it late. And give, give LMU credit. They tried to do it at one point, but as you said, they finished it off, and man... Finally, 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 the slug, sluggish nature of Gonzaga this season in the WCC finally came back to bite them. They've had close games against teams like San Francisco, BYU, uh, and much others, but it finally, it finally paid off. And it's, you know, it's, I texted you this and I, I, I mentioned you like, this is a team, Gonzaga, that I don't want to trust in my bracket. And I, I've been snake bitten by them before where they've lost in the, in the second round or Sweet 16 and had them going further. I don't know if I'm going to feel comfortable if, say, a seven-seed North Carolina finds them a Gonzaga number two seed in the second round. Let me backpedal just to, and give a little bit more love to Loyola Marymount there because they're the ones that get this job done. And first, win, first win over Gonzaga since, I believe, like 1990 or it was something their, like that? It, it was at least their first win at the Kennel, okay, I believe, okay. since 1991. They might have gotten them a time or two before that, but... This would not have been the the squad, the Lions. That's what they are. They got pretty uniforms, man. They've got the the light, like baby blue around some deep red. Of course, Hank Gathers comes to mind. That tragic story, maybe the, the most tragic in college basketball history. What a stud he was and not getting to see that play out. I thought, thought a lot about him when we went through this DeMar Hamlin situation in the Bills-Bengals game. And so great to see that he's going to be okay and maybe at the game when Buffalo takes on the Bengals tomorrow, but they're a, they're a 14 and seven team. Now four and three in conference now after beating Gonzaga on the road. So maybe another example of the depth and the quality in college basketball and how it just takes a little bit of tinkering to rise up and defeat a really good opponent. Cause you would have expected St. Mary's they're alone at the top of the WCC. Now they would be sent, sending the thank you cards to Loyola Marymount for getting the job done. Cause now they're six and zero, and Gonzaga's five and one. You got Santa Clara. Who's been a nice little program as well. CB 
at four and two. And then Loyola Marymount on top of BYU. I think I come back to this and, uh, you know, credit to Stan Johnson, the head coach there. He's a neat story. Born in Liberia, West Africa. He played at Southern Utah and Bemidji State. And he was a Wojo guy just recently, assistant oh, wow. coach at Marquette. So he winds up taking the job at Loyola Marymount, took over in 2020. And he's just a little over 500 trying to build this program right now, but a staple win. I give Gonzaga credit. We've said this before on the podcast. The way they play, how does it not elevate the level of the other teams around them? Well, it definitely has within the past, I, I would say, even recent years, like two to three years. It seems like the elevation of the play in the WCC. We talked about San Francisco, the Dons, a ton last year. Uh, Santa Clara just took down BYU on Thursday night. That's a team that's really moving up. And that Brandon Podzemski, I think is his name. He was originally with Illinois. Yeah, Wasn't even playing like more than like five minutes a game, averaged like one point a game. This dude is averaging close to like, I I think he's close to 20 points per game now. And he's just, he's blown onto the scene in the mid-major level. And it's just some of the talent that they're getting out there now and the consistency with it. It's just, it's been really impressive. Yeah, and, you know, I want you to hit a little bit more on what you think about these Zags in the tournament and maybe how they're mm-hmm. different. We know that the backcourt isn't quite there. It's our biggest issue. It's the biggest issue right now, but they still got Drew Timmy. You know, I understand what you're saying. They do seem prone to go back to those years where Mark Few was dominating the West Coast Conference, but he couldn't really get things over the hump. He was he was living in the round of 32 from like 2010 to 2014. They were getting bounced in the second round every single year. And it does feel with, with it being all drew Timmy and maybe Anton Watson and some of these dudes, Malachi Smith, I thought he was going to be a little bit more, a little bit more of a stud. He came off the bench. He's been coming off the bench here. Yeah, no, this is a team that, unfortunately because the guard play hasn't stepped up fully to its potential you're asking and demanding a lot more of Drew Timmy and I can I consider Julian Strother more of a forward type player but he is considered a guard in their uh in in their roster but uh Timmy's issue quite honestly is just his game is just kind of maxed out to what he is he's a true post guy like he, he might try to go out and play a little bit of perimeter ball but it's not really what he's comfortable with and when you're not getting guys like Rasir Bolden and Nolan Hickman to perform every single game. I mean, just going back to their game against on the road at BYU. I mean, between Hickman and Bolton, they combined for five points. That's your starting backcourt. That's just it's just not good enough and not consistent enough. And yeah, they yeah. got lucky to get out of that game and a couple a couple of others that I mentioned earlier. Between that and the bench, not really deep. I mean, especially in the in the front court. I mean, Efton Reed, who was a guy that I know Hol- Holtman here in Columbus really wanted during the recruiting process, went down to LSU and now transferred out to Gonzaga. He's really their only key guy in the front court coming off the bench to really help him out, but they're just there's just not really a deep team, which is kind of unlike the recent years of Gonzaga. You know, and what it's interesting too, I want to go back to Malachi Smith, who hasn't started for the Zags, but it's not just about that, it's just that he's half of the player that he was at UT Chattanooga the past couple years. When we looked at transfer portal rankings, Colin, this dude was way up there, way up there at the top. And you looked at this guy going to Gonzaga with what they were going to be missing out as, oh, here's an example of Mark Few, who usually just does it right the old-fashioned way, recruiting. 
And the way he's elevated his recruiting while he's built the program has been unbelievable, right? The mm-hmm. fact that he could go in and talk to kids and get kids that would seriously be thinking about Duke and Kentucky and Kansas. And now they want to go to Spokane, Washington to be a part of this. That's incredible. And you know, Again, credit to few. The only thing he hasn't done yet is win the national championship. But I got to give him some love because he doesn't just get to the Sweet 16 or the round of 32 anymore. He goes to the Final Four. He's been to the championship game. He goes to a lot of Elite Eights now. It's just really the last thing he's got to do. But Smith... To be uh, 8.7 and three and a half rebounds when he was uh, a 17 a game guy and a, a 17 and nine guy as a sophomore, a 20 and seven guy last year. And go figure, uh, he started at Wright State because chalk it up to you can't hit on all these. Fit is a thing, mm-hmm. just place where you are, how you adjust to your teammates. It's hard, man, when you go tap into some of these highly productive mid major guys and put them on a bigger squad. It just doesn't always work out the way you envision. No, I agree with you. Actually, I don't know if you know this, but Malachi Smith was part of those good teams with EJ Liddell back at Bellevue West over in uh, Illinois. He was part of those teams that won a couple national or not national uh, state championships there. Holy in the state crap! Of Illinois. But Teammate yes. with EJ? Uh, yes, wow, he was okay. a year. Belleville guy. I believe he was either a year before or a year after. Nice EJ. little factoid I think there. He, I, think Colin? He was a, I think he was a year before, but yes, I I remember hearing it, and I was just. Uh, validating it in the segment right there where you were talking. And yes, they both went to Bellevue West right around the same time. I'm actually looking and he had 27, eight and five against Portland in their very last game. How about that? But nothing else has even scratched the surface on a game like that. He had 27, eight boards and five Mm -hmm. assists against Portland and they scored 115 on those dudes, but then they lose at home to Loyola Marymount 76 straight games. No, you nailed Man. it. You nailed it, though. I, I I don't know if it's completely comparable to what's going on with Tanner Holden here in Columbus, but sometimes, like you said, transferring from a mid-major to a power conference, or in this case, a power team in Gonzaga, it's a little bit of a different step up and, you know, different expectations and different roles for a player. You don't know how they're going to adjust to that. I mean, this is a guy that was averaging over 30, 30 minutes a game in both years he was with uh, Chattanooga, now he's playing close to 20, 22 minutes a game, and it's a different role. It's just all about how these guys kind of move into their new positions with new teams. Some guys just don't do it as smoothly, and sometimes it takes them maybe half or three quarters a year to finally get in a rhythm. All right, I want to talk about some of the teams that are doing some good things in the state of Ohio right now and get a read from CB on who he likes. We know one is very obvious, and we will bring in our guy who has covered some of the scene down in Cincinnati – He's here in Columbus, Adam King, sportscaster for 10 TV. That's coming up as we roll on here. A little break. It's Mad About Hoops. What's up, everybody? This is the 79th episode of Mad About Hoops. I'm Timmy Hall. That's Evil Bald Colin. We're rolling through the 2022-23 season. The Buckeyes are a mess right now. We'll talk about that coming up, but we want to stay in state, look around the state of Ohio and college basketball, and part of our help here from 10TV in Columbus, sportscaster, very beautiful man, doesn't work as well on the pod. We'll ask him where you can find him, though. Adam King is here. How can people watch your stuff? You put that wall-to-wall sports show up on the web, don't you? Uh, wall-to-wall sports every Saturday and Sunday, 1135 on 10 TV. we got to drive the viewers to the show. I know, I so know. So we but, get the ratings, but Timmy. But this, this is the podcast. Everything's got to go up onto the web after the show, okay. right? Yeah, or onto well, your YouTube channel? Uh, I don't have a YouTube channel, Timmy. I'm not hit I with the times. I the station's YouTube I, channel. Wall-to-wall sports doesn't go there. Try again. 
Wow. You really you really make them turn the TV on. I just turn on 11.35. Grab your popcorn. Settle in. Wall-to-wall sports. All right. Well, we're going to start off by, like I said, they're looking at some of these programs in the state of Ohio. And I want to get to the big one here in a second. But, Evil, you being our mid-major flavor guy, you take a look at these MAC programs. Some of these Ohio MAC schools, they are led by some pretty good scoring guards. And we were talking about that Kent State-Gonzaga game in the first segment there. They've got a good one, too. And right now, they are pacing the MAC. I, I mean, am I missing something? Is there somebody else that's better than Kent State if we're leaving Xavier off to the side right now? Uh, I, I would say they're at the top, yes. I mean, there's another team in Ball State that's also up there. But in terms of the Ohio teams, yes, it's definitely Kent, Kent State out in front. Uh, they got a home win against Toledo a couple weeks ago. But between... Kent State, Toledo, and Akron, you've got a pretty good solid core of teams that are, that are going to compete for that automatic bid come March. What about what are the players that you're looking at between either Kent State or Akron or Toledo? I know we got a, a JT Shoemate who's yeah. a Central Ohio guy that's doing his thing for the Rockets right now. Yeah, no, you named it JT Shoemate out of, I believe, Newark, Newark, Ohio. He's he's averaging close to 18, 19 points per game, and he's really their guy. But it's it's really when Kent State and Toledo showed down is between he and also Sincere Carey, the Duquesne transfer, who's been there, I believe, at Kent State now. Two, this is his second year there, and he was preseason MAC player of the year. No, no surprise by that. And then he's just kind of backed it up. And then also, I don't know if you know, but uh, JJ Solinger's kid, uh, who played at Thomas Worthington here in town, is also uh, on that yeah. team with Kent State. By the way, they have not lost since the Gonzaga loss. That was the last time for Kent State. So they're on. I was quite, not aware of that. They're on quite a bit of a win streak, man. Fifteen and three overall, five and zero oh in the MAC. What about your dentist, buddy? We know that you uh, share dentists with. Jeff Bowles, what's happening with the Bobcats at nine and nine so far? They've been okay. I, I I don't know if it's up to the par of what the standard he's set there so far. But then again, I mean, with the the amount of talent he he lost in the offseason, and we've mentioned it, Mark Sears going down from OU down to Alabama with you that team that's now a national championship contender. So he's an example of how you do see mid-major guys go to bigger places and are awesome. It's Yeah, it works they, they, sometimes it and sometimes it doesn't, but it's it's just very hit or miss. Yeah, so Adam King, we look at the Xavier Musketeers. I've watched quite a bit of them this yeah. year. Big East basketball, it's not the same as it was, but with who they brought in, you know, getting Butler up in there, uh, getting uh, Creighton to join the league. I know they've struggled a little bit, but they are still a good team. Having UConn back in, also a team that's struggling right now after a 14-0 start, losing 4-5, or and then dropping that one on the road to Seton Hall. They got Shaheen Holloway, who was the stud coach of the tournament last year from St. Peter's. But Xavier just lost their undefeated start. Sure enough, they go to DePaul, easy win, right? And then they don't get it done. But all in all, Sean Miller has been cooking with gas there. There are no easy wins in the Big East, and we seem to learn that every single year, especially when you go on the road. I've been to that Seton Hall Arena. It sounds it sounds like you're sitting with the fans when you're down on the court. It is unbelievable. And w- when you look at DePaul, yes, it's a team at the lower tier of the Big East, but anytime you play on the road, it's tough to win. When it comes to the Musketeers, wow. I think you can play the uh, Texas, who was that, Sam Ellinger that said, we're back. Yes. that's That yeah. That feels like what's going on down uh, in Cincinnati is that Xavier has 
come back in not even a year. What are we halfway through the season? And he's and Sean's turned this program top ten, top number eight uh, top in the country, number eight in the country. And I, coaching isn't everything, but this is so much on coaching, and it's so much on Miller, who has come in and brought them back to the Chris Mack era. This is very similar to the Chris at Mack era of Xavier, where it's not necessarily one star player every single game. It's a group of guys that are just finding ways to win. What is your, since you've covered this team, I've always been fascinated from the outside looking in at this program because I would consider them to be, well, I guess I used to. We have this discussion all the time, the definitions of a mid-major. And since they're in the Big East. Oh, I, I don't think a Big East team can, is can be a mid-major. No. no. But before that, they were. Before that, they were. Yeah. With the A-10. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But what is your viewpoint just of the program in general? A lot of coaches have come in there, used it as a stepping stone to go elsewhere. It finally didn't work out for Travis Steele. They showed a guy the door. And then they wind up with Sean Miller, of course, who used it as a stepping stone to go on and get to Arizona eventually, but some FBI investigation got him out of there. Got, got Worked out well for Xavier. I mean, when you saw Xavier at its peak, which has to be that final season of Chris Mack, they get their first ever one seed. It did not feel like a mid-major. I felt like, and, and maybe I was a little too close to the program because I did cover them on a, on a game-to-game basis and went on road games with them. But I felt like Xavier was on the pace if Chris Mack came back to be thrown in that conversation with a Gonzaga, a team that you go, I don't really know where this school is. I don't know who this school is. I don't know that it's real, but every basketball season they show up and they show up in the top 25 and they show up in the top 10. Now, Travis Steele was a great assistant coach. He was a great guy. He was not ready to be a head coach. He's he, he just isn't. He's down in Miami now and he's, and he's struggling there, but bringing back Sean Miller and bringing and keeping that same talent. I mean, these are Travis Steele's guys that are playing at this level. I think it proves one thing. Good coaching matters and good coaching can change any program. And it's clear that it's happening down in Cincinnati, down with Xavier. And I think if I'm in the tournament right now, if we we fast forward to March, I do not want to play these guys. Yeah, I don't either. In Colin, you talk about, again, mid-major guys. We're calling Xavier a high major at these days. Sule Boom from UTEP Phenomenal. rolls over to the Musketeers. And this dude, I for, I think it was the Creighton game that I checked into. It was before the last one before they lost to DePaul where he just he had a phenomenal stat line. I mean, this dude was just all over the place, offense, defense. They need to be a little bit better defensively if they're going to make one of those deep runs. But, Colin, they got five different guys that are given double figures, and they have kept a nucleus, a core of a team together for years and years now. Yeah, a very strong nucleus that you mentioned. But I think he's obviously, Boom's the, the X factor in this because they got that point guard to play mm-hmm. that role, especially that you can move Colby Jones off the one and put him at a two or maybe even a uh, a three if he can play it. But, yes, getting a guy that can run that system and run that offense is what they needed. And now you've got guys he can distribute to Zach Free. I mean, thinking about that post area with Nunji and Fremantle down low, is it's probably, in my opinion, outside of maybe UConn, probably the best in the Big East. Uh, with Bar none, it's, it's up there. But... With the the guard play that they get from Kunkel, Jones, and then boom, it's it's very impressive. Yeah, Nunji and Fremantle both pretty much walking 15 and 8 guys. Yep. Honestly, twin 15 and 8 guys 
and they've been doing it all season long. That's why you saw them able to handle a guy like Sonogo yeah. against against UConn. And, and I go back to the fact that if you look through the stats of this season, Boom's obviously huge for them. He's shown up in big moments, not just with his scoring, but his ability to get the ball to some other guys in big moments. But also, this is a team that's so spread across the board. They've all had their big shots, their big games. Fremantle just won in the game last week. We've seen Adam Kunkel. You know, he was a mid-major guy. He went to Belmont. He came right. back to Cincinnati. That's right, right. Belmont dude. Yeah, yeah. He, he played in Cincinnati in, in high school, came back to Cincinnati, and he's been huge for him. Now he he's got this goatee thing going on that I he sure I, does, and it's yeah. it's something. But uh, <laughs> it's, you got to do you, man. Yeah, it's something. It's a little bit like that St. Peter's dude. Yes, the Edert, Doug yes. E- Edert or Edert from last year That's was a good, the darling. hundred percent. Not yeah. a whole lot working there with hey, the listen. facial hair, but you just got to do it. Yeah, each their own. I will say though, for the start of this conference slate for Xavier, they have gotten a very comfortable draw in terms of a lot of their tough games have been at home to start. They're going to go on the road and they're going to get a lot of tests here. They've got. Creighton, they've got Marquette, they've got Providence, they've got UConn all coming up on the road in this back half of the season. I'm curious to see how they stay consistent with that and whether they can stay consistent playing on the road versus playing at Cintas. All right. We, what do you want, Adam? No, no, no. I was just mocking your pose here. Yeah. Timmy has both <laughs> arms pointed in the air, hands spread wide to tell us to stop. See, it was going to be a nice smooth transition to a little pause here, but now it's all ruined because you had to do that. Because I ruined this, everything. This is not TV. I can do the big signals like that, and nobody will know, except for now they know. Sule boom, though. I like the Sule boom. All right, Adam King from 10TV, sportscaster in Columbus. He's got a lot of thoughts on the situation with the Buckeyes right now. As do I, as does evil bald Colin. Sky is falling. Five-game losing skid. Does it end this weekend? Today, if you're listening to us on the fan against Iowa, that is coming up. It's Mad About Hoops. Our third segment in, and we finally get to discuss the topic we've all come to talk about today, and that's this Ohio State basketball team. Oh, God. As you know, and you're you're listening on the simulcast, they have a huge game, and there's no way to other way to put it than pretty much going forward. You have to act as every game's a must-win at this point. Mm-hmm. How is it not a must-win? Every game, the the longer a losing skid goes, <laughs> yes, it's not just a must-win. It becomes the biggest game of your college basketball career at this point because it's all spiraling downward. And Adam, the only thing that can change it, there's so much negativity, and you have to beat that back with a stick. You have. I've been saying this for days now. The only thing that they can do is shut off the outside world and just pretend that it isn't happening and play some kind of Jedi mind trick that it's all good. Just I, like I was. I honestly came into work the other day thinking that I would just start doing segments about Thad Mata's basketball team and just put my <laughs> mind into the, the the era where we're going to Sweet 16s or in, hitting that Final Four run where it ended against the Jayhawks. Uh, the Kentucky game was miserable, right, in the NCAA tournament. But just thinking about guys like Evan Turner and Jared Sullinger and Aaron Kraft, and it's like, oh, you know, this, this John Diebler guy, boy, he's a hell of a weapon for us to have. You know, this this Kraft dude, I can see why he's playing so, so many uh, minutes as a freshman. He really does defend. But this is the way it is, man. Th- these Buckeyes have to go out and get a win. They have to. I don't know that Obi-Wan Kenobi can do a good enough Jedi mind trick to put the last five games behind them. I mean, this is, we talked at the beginning of the year and we looked at the Big Ten schedule and I said, there's very few guaranteed wins just because of how deep the Big Ten is this year. I mean, you knew going on the road at Rutgers was going to be a tough game. You knew Purdue was going to be a tough game. 
You knew going on the road at Nebraska is not easy, but it's Nebraska. And, Timmy, you know this. Well, nothing's I, easy now. Not, that's the problem. Yeah, that's nothing the problem. Is easy. And I have been a proponent all season that this Buckeye team has so much talent. It's it, it's there, but they are running out of time to put that talent together. And I understand learning curves, but we have hit a point where them taking the, the floor against Iowa is far from what should be a – a toss-up game, you know, Iowa's a good team. They're probably an eight seed, but they're always always play you good. Now it feels like an uphill climb just to win against Iowa. It, it, and we're talking about a team that has possibly a first-round pick in Bryce Sensible, a guy down low that's established himself in Zed Key, and so many added pieces to this team, ice likely who can get the ball wherever it needs to go. There are, you could just go on and on and on and on and on about how many pieces this team has, but it seems like... We've taken a million Legos and we're trying to build something, but none of them go together to build a national championship team right now. And and it's not over. I mean, I, I still think if you're a Buckeye fan, if they beat Iowa and they start to put things together, I mean, there's a word where you look back at this, which they've done before and gone, that was just that January slump. That was the slump. That was the slump. In a way, and Adam King from 10TV in Columbus, WBNS, is with us here. In a way, they've done that every year. Like, Colin, yeah. they've done that every year. And then they've also figured out a way past it. And I would think if we went back and listened to the radio, listened to our segments when they were in it, it all sounded the same. You're not supposed to sit back and accept that or feel happy about it. This is what we do as fans, right? We It's tough to compartmentalize when you're in the middle of a losing streak. Everything is flipped upside down. Nothing is easy. But at the same time, I can't... Every every single game, someone's asking me, like, well, now do you think Holtman should go? Every single game. I get that. Like, well, he's lived in the tournament. I get that you're trying to go above that, but you're in the middle of the season. They're not even under 500 yet. That would be the big concern if that's next. If this thing keeps going, I would hate to see it because they're already the closest in his era. Correct. To mm. 500 this deep in the season. But, yeah, you you have the regular season here to figure it out. Am I banking on it? That's the difference. It's tough to bank on it here when you're staring at five straight losses. No, I'm, I mentioned this. This is one of the low points in his era here For at sure. Ohio State. And For sure. I'll give you that. Maybe some people think that's overreacting, but I, I, honestly, you just nailed it. This is the closest they've been to 500 this late in the season. Yeah. Since if that isn't here. the low point, then what would be? Because wow. you're, you're yeah. literally not <laughs> in the tournament field yeah. right now. And almost no matter where they were record-wise in the first five years, they were always projected in the tournament. And Rarely it, did they dip out of any kind of bracketology report. And it always felt like when we went into the last couple weeks of Big Ten play, there was always a scenario where if this happens, Ohio State could still win the Big Ten. I don't think that scenario could exist this year. They have no, to win. No. They have to win a ton of games yeah. right now. Yes, exactly. And Colin, they got to win the right ones <laughs> to get back into the picture. Purdue's not losing this. Yeah. Purdue's Purdue's going to run away with this. And as crazy as that sounds, and I'm not talking about if, winning the Big Ten regular <laughs> well, season. Are you crazy? I'm just, I'm just I'm saying. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying Making in terms attorney. of. I'm addressing Adam saying about being out of the Big Ten race. I mean, yeah, this is this is Purdue's to lose at this point. Yeah. Um. But but no, Tim, you nailed it. It seems like bracketologists are kind of mixed on where. Ohio State is whether they're first four out or I saw Lenardi still got them as a last four in type of team and to be honest their resume doesn't really show it I mean they're four and seven I believe in the first two quadrants and or yeah it's 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 brutal and some of the wins in non-conference you thought that would stack up later don't show there Texas Tech I don't even think they have a win in Big 12 play yet but but does it count almost wins 
Is there a quad that says we almost beat the number one team? We almost Played beat North close. Carolina. We almost beat Rutgers. We almost beat did Nebraska. You, <laughs> did you see the stat that Adam Jardy, the dispatch, our buddy there, put up? Uh-uh. Th- this is you know a five-game losing streak, streak has happened before. This is only Holtman's second in his era. I'm sure Thad had him, I think, in the, one of those last two years. But this is the first time in program history where it's been a five-game losing streak all in single digits. Oof. Well, that's, I mean, it's felt like every game. That's the thing. That's what it's been with this team winning close. It's been close. Timmy, the one thing that I think has most changed the mindset here for Buckeye Nation, which I think is where everybody is frustrated, is I used to cover this little team. They were called SEMO, Southeast Missouri State. And the regular season didn't matter for SEMO because obviously they weren't going to get in the tournament. You have to win your conference tournament. You have to win the conference tournament. That's it. And so every game was an exhibition. Every game was, how can we get better to be better for March? And Ohio State, in the middle of January, is now in that mindset. And that is crazy to wrap your mind around. That nothing else matters because now every game is getting ready for Chicago, getting ready for that Big Ten tournament, and trying to go on a run in the NCAA tournament. And that's never happened. It's never been Iowa coming in on a Saturday and you're like, well, win or lose, let's just see how they look and see how we can grow. Because it's supposed to be them competing for the top of the Big Ten. I want to talk a little bit, boys, about what we should desire, what we should want with Ohio State basketball, the expectations. That's a great question. Because Jeff Goodman came in here, and and look, I, I do think Jeff Goodman and, and Chris Holtman have a really good relationship. He always seems to be a guy that can break a story about you know whether some guy's injured or back early. He and John Rothstein seem to be these really connected guys in the game, right, that get that stuff. We know Rothstein loves him too because he's got a saying for every well, freaking coach yeah. out there. Right? Well, yeah. it's more usually, he hasn't been more as meticulous. meticulous. <laughs> he hasn't been the forensics officer so much this year. We you'll want him notice, to get back to that. Yeah, but you'll notice when Rothstein reports something according to Ohio State, it's not per sources; it's per Chris Holtman. Per Chris Holtman. Yes. Yeah, he just goes right to the horse's mouth. But you know, Goodman says that thing about you know, look at Herb Sendek at NC State, and they got rid of him, and poof, there was Sidney Lowe in no tournaments anymore. It's almost like he's trying to you know blame or shame fan bases for wanting to elevate when they get to a certain spot. And Hey, to, to stay in state here, you covered Cincinnati basketball, Mick Cronin, things just got tired and stale at Cincinnati. The dude was winning 22 to 30 games every year, but they were losing in the first and second round every single year. As he two went seeds. to the tournament. Yeah. Every as two year. seeds, they were do they were losing yeah. in the first two rounds and they just said, ah, oh, God, there has to be more. So they go to West Miller. they actually went Brandon. That didn't work yeah. out. There's an example of yes, maybe the grass isn't always greener, but they were trying to do something and to spark a fire there. And Colin like, is that the same thing that's happening here with Ohio State hoops? I mean, if you want to go all the way back to, let's go back to Eldon Miller back in the 70s. And then let's not count Gary Williams. He was only here for three years. But in terms of guys from Eldon Miller to present day, Holman's the only guy within, not within the first four years to make a Sweet 16. Like, it's just, that's just, really? a, that's just a fact wow. of the matter. Yeah. All the way back to those guys. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't notice that yet. Yeah. Year four, Eldon Miller made the Sweet 16. He's also probably the only guy to go to the tournament every year, though. Right? Uh, yes. In his yes, run so as of far. now, yes. And I count the pa- I always say yeah, I count, count the, the pandemic, pandemic year because they were a four or five seed that year. Randy Ayers made the Sweet 16 in year two, Elite Eight in year three. Jim O'Brien, the final four that was then vacated, but that was year two for him. Like, it's it just, it's, unfortunately, that's just kind of the standard I feel like fans put him up against because you hear the no Sweet 16s. That's almost everything you hear. So I, I think that's what I equate to why we hear the noise. 
Timmy, I go back to one game, and it was the Aaron Kraft era, and they were at Michigan. And Aaron Kraft went driving down the court in a top 10 matchup. And I don't know if you remember this, but he was fouled on the last play, but they didn't call the foul. Oh, yeah. And Ohio State lost. Was that Michigan or Michigan State? It was Michigan. Okay. It was on the road at Michigan. It was a top 10 matchup. Maybe it was Dwayne Washington for Holtman's team that went down the lane against Michigan State. And and it was one of those ugly losses more recently that they needed. But continue. I remember in that moment thinking, even though this is a loss, this is peak Ohio State basketball. This is where Ohio State basketball should be. It was like a Tuesday. What do they call it on ESPN? Super Tuesday? Super Tuesday. It was a Super Big tu- Monday and Super Tuesday. Yes, it was yeah. a Super Tuesday matchup, and Ohio State was on center stage. And I don't think Ohio State needs to be a blue blood. You don't have to win a national title to be a contender every year. But Ohio State should be in those top 10 matchups on the road at Wisconsin where you say Wisconsin's 8, Ohio State's 15. Ohio State's 8, Michigan State's 6. And where games in the regular season matter because – even though they don't look at numbers next to the name, they matter. They, they Look at UConn. It mattered that they got back up to number two. It matters to see Ohio State in that top 15 regularly. It does, And I sometimes think the tournament is overblown. I think the idea of, well, you made the tournament is amazing. Congratulations, you never missed the tournament. I know that's a hard feat, but what are we setting the standard here at? If the standard is to get into a field of 64 I think you have dubbed down the standard because I'm diluting it a little bit. Yes. What you're trying to say. Yeah. This program's made 11 Final Fours. It's a big time program. It's one (laughs) of the biggest. It's one of people don't think of this because it's a football school, but it's also one of the most successful basketball programs of all time. It's in the top 20. It is. It's in the top 20 all time, which is. Perfect example of where they should be on a continuous basis in the Keep top that. 20. Yeah. In the, I'm not saying that you need to be the number one team. You don't need to be Jared Saunders year when they went to Wisconsin and they're undefeated and they are the pinnacle of college basketball. But goodness, you should turn on the TV on a Saturday and say Ohio State is number eight in the country. They've got a matchup with number 10 Iowa, and this is going to be a good Saturday to watch Ohio State basketball. Look, I get it. It's hard. I I get it. I I do, too. I've been following the sport since I was a kid. I I have a lot of respect for going to the NCAA tournament. Yes. That is a certain benchmark. Um, I'm less a 20-win guy in that streak with that meaning all that much. Is that depends on what did you actually yeah, do in I, some of those seasons? And they can kind of be fool's gold when you do the, oh, like a college football coach. He's been to seven straight bowl games. Well, how many of those years were six and six years? Yeah, and with you the music six city and seven. Yeah. yeah, and you and you lost the bowl game. But it's just, I don't know, evil. You just, I mean, they, if you're they slacking won 20 games. They won 20 games in that year where they were the 11th seed and beat Iowa State, which great win again, that was again, a fun win it was but that's good just that's that's not the standard T- taking but that's a year there i'd say everyone looked at that and wasn't expecting so much it was a transition year where thad's guys were exiting you were getting your guys in that's and fair. you still did something yeah that i thought was the mark of a really good coach yeah. and holtman is a good coach holtman. i want to make that extremely clear he's a good basketball coach you're trying to get to another level, which is why we talk about what the extension was. And maybe there was a period there where you could wait and see, okay, you're under contract. You're fine. You're making a lot of money, but let's see what this recruiting class and the next one, which will be big years to see if we're ready to step on the gas pedal and do more in terms of finishing one of these big 10 seasons or going deeper in the NCAA tournament. But no, 
They did the massive extension, so here we are. And I, I still have myself in a two-year window going into this season because of the recruiting classes and because he's given you a minimal standard of making the NCAA tournament every year. But I understand but what, what if we're that, all talking uh, what about What if here. that is not met this year? Because you said that's the then standard. Then we need to have more conversations about it. I think that Chris Holtman is the best coach Ohio State is going to find. I think he he's done a phenomenal job recruiting. I think the one thing that... Ohio State fans should remember, and I'm not making excuses for him, but imagine this team with Malachi Branham. That was always the plan. The plan was Malachi Branham on this team with Bryce Sensible and all these guys, and that team is a top 10 team, and I understand that happens. He over, I don't know what you, he, he did too good of a job last year when it comes to developing a guy, and that, that you don't get, you don't get let off the hook for that, but I think Ohio State They've got to, I don't even know what the word is, and I, I'm I'm kind of at a loss for words with it, but they've got to just go back to being a program where you see, you know, John Diebler, Aaron Kraft, you talk about those guys, those names you throw out there, William Buford, those aren't freshmen. Those are guys that have been in the program, that are ingrained in the program, that we've watched grow. Jamar Butler, like these are guys that didn't just show up on a blip and leave, show up and leave. And, and Ohio State, needs to establish more of those core guys. Yeah, that you're, thinking, you're thinking of Ohio guys, too. I know when you go that way, maybe yeah. Devin Royal is the dude that's coming in here. But it, it just, it, it's different. It, it is. It's different, but it's different for everybody. College basketball is changing. Yeah. There's going to be less three- and four-year players for sure because of the nature of the sport. Maybe some of the NIL will help some of these guys that are good, but they're not NBA good stick around and be happier. That's the one little thing that I hope for in this new era where maybe we could still get some of those types of guys because NIL will keep them here instead of wanting to go overseas or leaving early. It's just, uh, well, look at EJ Liddell. Look at EJ Liddell. He's, I mean, he stayed here. He developed here three years and look what he became. Just gotta, just gotta get some core guys to stick around. Adam King, 10 TV sportscaster, WBNS. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thanks for letting me get that off my chest. Yeah. Now, uh, therapeutic. Let's put, let's put the win streak, the losing streak to bed and start a win streak. What do you think? Let's do it, ma'am. Let's do it. Thank you again for stopping by. Thanks we have one more, one more thing to do here on the podcast. A little mid-major flavor time. And as always, the Mad About Hoops road trip meter. Where can you go? Where are there some good games within our area? We will tell you. It's Mad About Hoops. This has been a fun one. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. I'm Timmy Hall. That's Evil Bald Colin. We are mad about hoops. We're going to be hitting you with our MAH road trip meter here. Where can you get to? Some good games around. We omit Ohio State. Of course, they got a home game coming up against Iowa. If you're listening to us Saturday morning on The Fan, that one's coming up today at 2 o'clock. Evil, though, time for the mid-major flavor. We started off with Loyola Marymount, the Lions, beating Gonzaga on the road to stop their 76-game win streak. They're an obvious choice, but you got to go somewhere else. Of course i got to go somewhere else because I've been touting this team all week. It's the Youngstown State Penguins of the Horizon League tied for first place in that conference. And, man, they are a fun team to watch. The most efficient offense in the country since the Christmas break, not accounting for opponents. Now, obviously, that's going to be an advantage for a team like Youngstown State, but they are handling their business, being led by none other than a transfer. This guy's from Dayton. Dwayne Cohill has been a great addition to this team, averaging 17 points per game. In terms of the team as a whole, 
not the prettiest resume. I mean, they won games against their conference. I mean, they're really handling their conference. Uh, they just beat a bad Green Bay team the other night. Uh, not really any wins to, to ring home about. They did play Notre Dame close, lost to them by seven. Uh, do They do have a loss at home versus Ohio and then lost on the road in conference to Northern Kentucky. So while I love the Gwins, Northern Kentucky, the Norse, seem to be a team that always causes problems come Horizon League tournament time. And quite honestly, I think it might come down to those two teams. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned the Gwins because I know next to nothing about their basketball history. Next to nothing. Like there, there can't be a whole lot of rich basketball tradition that well, I'm not aware of. You want to know Youngstown State? I can give like you some dudes th- picked. Like, is there a Dame Lillard walking around from Youngstown State? I don't think so. I can give you a little bit of history, and actually, it's their tournament history. They are part of the Never Been Club. Never, never been, never. Holy crap! And what about the? Well, weren't they in Division Two for the longest time? In basketball, yeah, I like weren't they like uh, up into the seventies, possibly? That sounds. If I'm about, not wrong, that and that's right. a, that's a reason for it. But yeah, looking, I'm, I'm looking at some of their past coaches now that you you brought them up. The last time they were in any kind of postseason was under Jerry Slocum, who was there for a long time, 05 to seventeen on the Horizon League, CIT second rounder, 2012 2013. They were eighteen and sixteen, seven and nine in the league. Went to the second round of that CIT. What's that like? The invitational college invitational tournament. College in- invitational tournament. The one you probably where, have to pay to get in it. <laughs> the ones where the mid majors go and they try to beg a major team that disappointed and they say yeah. thanks, no They're thanks. They're like, yeah, no. Fed didn't want anything to do with that, right? No, that last abso- year. No, absolutely not. They were seventeen and fifteen. I still remember Mark Loving hanging his head in disgust. <laughs> the, the the game hadn't even expired. It was the Rutgers. They're I think. walking off. The it was court. Rutgers. Yeah. And now look at them. You know that was a. It was a win that started to turn them around, winning in the Big Ten tournament. But let's do this. Let's look at some of the games that are going on around the area this weekend. And when I say the area, you can get in your car, maybe in a six-hour or less drive if you're a huge basketball nut like us. You like checking out different gyms. I'm going to go and give you a weird one right now, okay. okay? A really weird one. And I say this because we could keep talking about Xavier and why not. Like, these are big-time environments. If you still haven't caught a game at Cintas, this one has a lot of flair because Patrick <laughs> Ewing and the knee pads and that long, long Big East losing streak are going to Cincinnati. So uh, anytime the Hoyas are there, there's rich basketball tradition just by seeing those jerseys. And it's kind of like the uh, watching a, a train crash going on where you're interested, but for the wrong reasons. So there is that. But I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the A-10, right? Because I'm always trying to keep up, keep tabs with what the Dayton Flyers are doing. And they're on the road at George Washington at 1230 on a Saturday. But I'll take you to Pittsburgh, okay? Two o'clock tip-off. Duquesne, you might read it as Duquesne. It's Duquesne. <laughs> taking on Fordham. That's right. At UPMC Cooper Fieldhouse. Tickets are as low as $17. If you want... A college basketball slash high school basketball environment. You're getting to see A10 college hoops in a gym that is likely smaller than a lot of high school gyms. But this university poured in a big time renovation to this place. It was built in 88 for only $10 million. Imagine that building your basketball arena for 10 million. What do you think the Schottenstein Center was even back then in the late 90s? Oh, I don't even want to guess. Probably 70 million or something like that. I, I yeah. can't even do the conversions. So. 
Uh, UPMC Cooper Fieldhouse just got renoed in 2021. And if you do some Google images for it, it is a beautiful looking gym. Glass on the back, beautiful looking flip down seats. Uh, it's nice decked out in the blue and the red for their colors there. So, you know, you get to go to Pittsburgh as well. Stuff your face with some Primanti brothers and some Iron Cities. You'd have a nice time. And then uh, flip all the Penguins and Steelers fans the bird before you leave and head home. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, this is totally like before. If you if you had the idea on Friday night to go to the the Kent State Ball State game up at Kent State, you should have made the decision to go to it. I'm I'm saying right now it was probably a good game, but I'm gonna guess Kent State won. And if if you're hearing this on Saturday morning and I'm wrong, well, I'm sorry about that. I'm gonna guess that as well. You also have some <laughs> more uh, another chance to get to West Virginia. It's not Kansas, but it's number seven Texas, six o'clock Saturday night. West Virginia coming off a nice win. Their first Big 12 win. That's a good one. I, uh, I'll i go with Sunday. Sunday, there's a big game in the American. It looks like it's only going to be a two-team league right now for the NCAA tournament. Uh, Memphis sitting at an 11 seed per Lenardi. And then Cincinnati's not really on the board, but this is a game that can get them back in the mix. A home game versus Penny Hardaway squad. One o'clock ESPN2, but it's down in fifth, third arena in Cincinnati. Uh, I also would point out Purdue home game Sunday at one. If you've never been to Mackey, certainly one to put on the list, but the value is not there. As we mentioned this before, they are one of the hottest tickets in college basketball because of where their team is being number three in the country and 18 and one seven and one in the conference running away with things. They're taking on Maryland. So pretty good matchup 12 and six Maryland club. And uh, like I said, one o'clock on Sunday kind of meshes with the playoff football. You get out at three, then you can run to a a bar in West Lafayette and watch uh, Bill's Bengals. They have bars there. Uh, uh, no, <laughs> Triple X, X, X. Yeah, they got you, uh, that place. If you don't want to go that far, you can just go to Bloomington. Uh, $62 as low as that to get into this game. And I, I, don't know if I, can, price. I don't know if I can recall getting into an Indiana game at Assembly Hall for anything less than maybe $100. But they are hosting Michigan State, so that should be a pretty good game. Yeah, a lot of a lot of games, a lot of games that uh, that spike the meter there, the uh, Mad About Hoops road trip meter. So good stuff. Colin, I had so much fun. We I can't wait to break down more of the sport on next week's edition. Tim, I had so much fun. It would be a lot more fun if they could win this game against Iowa. Oh boy, Ohio State basketball trying to stop a five game skid this week. Uh, Saturday tip off two o'clock against the Iowa Hawkeyes. As always, the full podcast, the full length podcast, is only available. Uh, guess where on the podcast. So wherever you get your audio search up mad about hoops. And if you're doing it on Apple iTunes, we sure would appreciate a five-star rating and a little customer review right there. We will be back next week with a whole lot more college basketball goodness. Colin. Thanks again, buddy. Thanks, Tim. Everybody have a great week. Enjoy the hoops.